Everybody, you're listening to the High Sessions Hawaii podcast, where we talk about everything local and beyond. I'm your host, John Yamasato, and joining today, of course, is Mr. Kyle Shimabukuro. How's it? Devin Nikoba. How day? And uh, our special guest today, Mr. Kelly Boy Dilima. Kelly, thanks for being here. I feel like I've done this before. <laughs> I was going to say, does it feel a little bit deja vu-ish? Uh, yeah, yeah. Anyway, we'll, we'll get into this, but before we do that, let me remind everybody the way they can stay in touch with the show. There's Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, all at High Sessions. You can go on to SoundCloud, iTunes, or uh, Apple Podcasts and download the podcast. And uh, please leave us a review when you do. Or you can email us at highsessions at yahoo.com. Of course, if you'd like to help the show get more music on the channel, please go to patreon.com. That's P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com and donate. There you'll get more involved with the show. And we have behind-the-scenes footage. We're now releasing videos there that are, are not going to be on the YouTube channel. And uh, I'd like to send a shout-out to four new patrons. So every week it's been pretty good, man. We, we, I feel like we're hitting our stride here. So we have Alice from Honolulu. Alice, uh, thanks for signing up. And then Ryan, Tony, and David, wherever you are. So okay. some people we know where they are. Some people we don't. But it's all good. We, we accept anybody. We're inclusive like that. Yes, we are. <laughs> so, okay. the good tell news is... The whole thing. Here we go. Okay, so the good, good news is... Ke so, Kelly uh, was on the show earlier, and I will take complete responsibility, because it was completely my fault. About, <laughs> about, four, <laughs> about 40 minutes into the podcast, I realized, oh my God, I did not hit the record button on the... <laughs> on the thing, on the Zoom, you know, and I'm just sitting here like, oh, how am I even going to bring this up to these guys? They've been talking. And, but you know what, Kelly, thanks for being such a good sport about it. Oh, and, welcome, John. And agreeing to come back on. And the good news is I didn't really write anything down, so I don't really even remember what we talked about. I, I kind of remember some of the questions, but we could probably hit the same topics and I'll be, we'll be just yeah, as uh, excited and surprised as we were. Well, if you I still have, you, so I can repeat yeah. things. If you, still have the, if you still have the footage, maybe you can make that available to Patreon people. Oh, no, no, I, I, I did. I did. The footage oh, you, of the, you got of rid the, of it? Of me apologizing to everybody? Yeah, I didn't oh, save that. We did, we did like 20 minutes after that of all kinds of cool yeah. stuff. You gotta air that. Oh, yeah, I, that. I, I, might have, I might have that somewhere. Okay. Because, I mean, if, if nothing else, it'll have you like this. <laughs> yeah. Your eyes really big. And then, <laughs> and then yeah. And we'll create new memories. And then you guys are going <laughs> to kill me, you know. Yeah. So, yeah. But, yeah. So, so Kelly, I remember this question, and, and I, I wanted yeah. to get back to it. So, we're just going to jump in here. But Shoot. your ukulele playing, super unique. You know, I, I don't think there's anybody that plays the ukulele like you, or I can't even think of anybody in the past that played the ukulele like you. Where did you learn how to play? Well, first of all, thank you so much. Um, really, my style is, uh, you know, when I was a kid, I, um, I, I went to Roy Sakuma um, Ukulele Studios, I remember, for like maybe a couple of lessons. I did a couple of lessons at Roy Sakuma's, and... I kind of figured out real quick that, you know, I was more like into the, like the Peter Moon and, you know, the, that style of, you know, playing. And um, um, I was like learning, like, you know, you could learn like Star Wars on a ukulele. Or That's right. That's right. And Roy Sukuma, yeah. yeah, they teach you all that kind of stuff. Yeah. 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 And I wasn't really into that. I mean, I like Star Wars. Don't get me wrong, but I didn't really want to play that kind of stuff. You know, I wanted, I was more like a guava jammer cane fire kind of guy you know and um um there was early um Kui ohana stuff that um i listened to with ledward and um him playing ukulele and stuff so that kind of style really um really and and i really wasn't you know in the first couple of lessons i wasn't getting that so what i would do is i would skateboard all over waikiki we were living at waikiki during that time and i would um I would actually take my ukulele down to the beach and, uh, um, you know, there was all the old time beach boys that would pick up my ukulele, like uncle E. Michael Young and oh, all the different beach boys. And, um, yeah. you know, 
Uncle Emai played with a group called the Intangibles uh, back in the day. And those guys specialized in like the surfers, the four-part harmony and stuff like that. And so he would play all these chords and the ukulele. And, um, and you know, I, I, I guess my style just came out of just that influence of all the different, you know, you know, it, and uh, yeah, all that different, you know, styles. And, and then I played with some Backstreet Boys, you know, my friend James Willis and Cuneo Galdera and a couple of uh, other um, players that, uh, oh, they love reggae music, you know, so it's an infusion, I think, of a whole bunch of, you know, um, influences growing up. You know, I remember taking a ukulele and just giving them to the Beach Boys and like some of the uncles and they'd be playing and I'd be like just... No, wow, this is so good. <laughs> and uh, so basically, um, I learned by ear. You know, my style is, I always say it's its probably not, um, you know, the right the right way and the, the, the right way to, but it was something that I had to make up, you know. Sure. Um, and, and, and I guess during making up that kind of stuff and kind of just trying to figure it out on my own, I, I got my own stuff. I guess my own tone and my own style and, and, and stuff like that, you know, which is, uh, I guess it's all I can, ex you know, I don't know. I, you know, do any of your kids play in that style? I mean, cause like you said, you know, it's sort of something. Not really, not really, you know, Capena, um, he plays. Cause Penna plays uh, like 12 instruments, right? So yeah, yeah, he plays, he plays all the instruments. And when he records and stuff, he lays down, he does all the ukulele and stuff, not on a capella stuff, but when he's in the studio doing other groups. But yeah, no, not really that style. Because you, cause you do the, you do, because you play like a good rhythm and then you do a lot of the uh, hammer on pull off kind of stuff. And, yeah. you know, Troy Fernandez really kind of made that even more popular. But I remember thinking like, oh, I remember Kelly Boy doing those kind of licks from before yeah. him, you know, kind of thing. So was yeah, that, yeah. Were, were the Beach Boys doing that? Because that was, that was kind of an interesting, like normally you think of a ukulele, you pick it up and you just pick it like a guitar, right? So you got, right. you're just playing single notes. The idea of hammering, pulling off and then hitting the top string like a, a triplets. Yeah, that's, yeah, yeah, that's yeah. That's kind yeah. of a cool, unique ukulele thing. And did that come from the Beach yeah. Boys? No, like I said, you know, I that was just mm. a lot of my influences and I kind of went home and I did my own, you know, you know, I put it all together, put it in a bag, mixed it all up and kind of just, uh, um, you know, came out with, I guess, my, my own style. I, I, I don't know how to, <laughs> yeah. how to categorize it, you know, but. Um, he created such a unique sound that's really only Capena sounds like that you know and yeah. today that sound is just you guys you know um what was your first ukulele do you remember the brand or what it, what it was and how um my first ukulele was the first two was that um was kamakas definitely i got a eight string my first ukulele was an eight string kamaka and then um i remember um um i think it was my i want to say 16th birthday my dad got me on six string and uh, I think I went, I went back to the basics after that, you know, like on four string. And it was with Hawaiian style, Derek Shimizu. Derek. Oh, yeah. wow. Yeah. And um, I figured, you know, I think I heard Troy say one time, you know, um, that he was, that he had on eight string and on six, we were talking, he was, but bro, I went back to the basics and that's all I play now is just on four because, you know, it just, uh, um, I'm not one rhythm guy, so an eight string or one six string wouldn't really, you know. Yeah, if you're doing lead really stuff, I, I feel I always thought the four string was the best. The eight string to me is huh. like, uh, if you're gonna chalangalang, yeah. eight string is great. But beyond that, right. I think the four string is the most versatile. Yeah, yeah, totally. What are you currently playing now? Off. Sorry. What are you currently playing now? I'm playing a um kanile uh, ukulele. Okay. Yeah, I'm playing a Kanilea, and um, I've been with them, I think, since Derek um, uh, kind of, I don't you know, Derek kind of moved, yeah, he went to the Big Island first, and then... Yeah, I think he's in Vegas now. I think he's in the mainland, yeah. But, um, yeah, it was all with Marshall Muromoto, them, and all the Hawaiian-style family that, you know, we, um, 
I was playing, you know, uh, you know, uh, um, Derek's ukuleles, and then, uh, and then we went. Yeah, soon after that, when Derek left, um, I know he said he was going to be making more ukuleles and he would make the kind, but kind of lost touch, I guess, and he was going through some some things with the business and stuff. So he, um, yeah, we we really didn't keep in touch, and then my ukulele was falling apart already, and then <laughs> approached me. Yeah. And uh, I really like I really like the way they you know their their uh, bracing structure and you know all the different uh, you know their uh, their uh, cutting edge you know I, I feel and cool. uh, well they've really come a long way right because they have. back in the nineties I, I don't know when the company started but I didn't you didn't hear much about Kanilea but then right. you play them and then I think also um, Honoka and Azita right they was right playing. Honoka and um, um, Jody, Kamistato, Willie K. as their brand ambassador, right? So <laughs> Yeah, yeah. But, you know, it's one of these things like when I would go out to uh, concerts or whatever, as a musician, you take notice, right? What does everything sound like? I'm like, hey, that sounds, ukulele sound good? Yeah, so, yeah, it does. It does. I'm, I'm happy, you know, and uh, they're, they treat me real good and they're real solid. I'm actually, um, I wish I had it. I just did like this, uh, photo shoot on the big island they own about 200 acres of koa farm up there is that the one that was up in the forest it was like looked like forest. it was uh, all uh, misty and stuff exactly yeah yeah so i just i did, just did a, a photo shoot with them a couple of days ago up there on the koa uh, farm and um bro they got anyway i'm i'm playing this new ukulele it's called the nene um it's it's a true it's an endangered bird series and um, so it's it's a brand new one that I, I you know I have, um, but they they took it back into the shop. The 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 pickup is a little uneven. Like the first string is a little softer than the second one, and so it's kind of un, unbalanced. So I left the nene over there with them. I, I, I wish I had it. I, I would show you it, but um, they have it and they're uh, tweaking it up a little bit. So what's going to happen is that I'm going to play that for like one year, and then they're going to auction it off and. The proceeds will go back to Reforest Hawaii and oh, uh, nice, that's great cool. bird series uh, kind of deal. So, hey, let us know when you do that so we can kind of mention okay. it on the podcast. And yeah, I'll we'll, we'll talk to them, Joe Souza and John. Yeah. John will bid and, and win it. I'll so bid on it because he get money, yeah. so he can. Because <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, that thing's gonna be expensive. Yeah, Willie K. Um, his last one was uh, oh, I forget what bird, what endangered bird, but he, that thing sold for when Collector bought it for like. I want to say fifteen, sixteen thousand. Wow! Oh, inlay. Just the inlay in the neck, you guys. Oh, it's mind blowing, you know. Oh. They, you know what? The neck. I think just the neck alone costed about six thousand oh. dollars. And I'm so I'm carrying this ukulele around, and they're telling me just play them. And I goes, yeah, but bro, you don't know <laughs> yeah. what I, you don't know what I do to my ukuleles. I beat them. <laughs> and he yeah. goes, we want it beaten up because when the you know the collectors is like, oh. This is Willie yeah. K's ukulele. He he, you know, he played it and yeah, it's got his it's got his mana in there, right? Exactly. Yeah, exactly. yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, there's there's a growing uh, underground of ukulele collectors because even like Herb's ukuleles, you know, if it's right. just if just is Herb model or whatever, that's one thing. But if it's one that Herb played and he carried around, he right. can sell it for a pretty good amount of money, more than I, I, I would think. <laughs> I know. No, you're not. Wow. I was thinking, wow, I'll pay you for my ukulele. But you know what's funny? Because even what, one time, so I was in, I had to go to Japan. We did a tour in Japan, and the promoter said, oh, you know what? No need to bring your guitar. I got, I'm a guitar, you know, whatever. Like, he's a guitar salesman up there. He said, I will, I'll let you use one of our guitars up there. So I thought, oh, Great, I don't have to travel with it, you know. Right. So we fly up there, and we're going around, we're touring, and I'm playing this thing, and at, at some point, I, I see him, you know, I, hey, thanks, you know, let, thanks for letting me play this guitar. I'm like, this sounds great. Like, what does this kind of guitar run for? He's like, oh, that's a $10,000 guitar. And I was like, what are you giving me this $10,000 guitar for? Like, now I'm going to be all I self-conscious mean. about it when I'm, you know, just give me a $800 guitar. Like, I, I'm fine with it, but. Oh God! These guys and their guitars and the instruments—you know—some of them. They, yeah. There's collectors so out there. Yeah, I know one guy that has like 
I want to say 250 guitars in his, he's a friend of mine in San, San, San Diego. And um, um, I want to say he has about a hundred ukuleles. Wow. Honestly, God. I mean, wow. so much. He cannot hang them. He doesn't have a room big enough to hang them all. And, and uh, he's a very mediocre, you know, player, but he's <laughs> a, you know, collector than he is, you know, anything. And I'm like, man. Must be do, you have, do you still have all of the ukuleles you've owned over the years? No. no. So my deal, my deal is, um, I do have the the kamakas though. Okay. I have the. I don't have the six string. I have the eight string that my dad gave me when I was oh, I gotta be seventh grade probably. Oh. So, um, he got me that one. But uh, the other ukuleles like um, Hawaiian style and stuff, I would give them back. So I would play them and then I would give them back. And then they would sell them. They would auction them off. Wow. And I we actually uh, used to take his old ones. And within a year, it was pretty beaten up, yeah? The old yeah. Right. So plenty of people, you know, I mean, like, they bought them for thousands. Yeah. He signed one, put it in the Hawaiian, Hawaiian Style Cafe as a memorabilia right. piece. In the Hawaiian Style Cafe had one in there. Yeah. yeah. And, I, and I did the same. However, I didn't do that one with my last Kanilea. Let me keep it. So I'm going to give that one to my grandson. Mm. Oh, nice. Yeah. Yeah, he's he's learning. Um, he's eight years old, but he plays drums and he plays piano. He plays and everything too. He's I like saw him. Man. He's good. Cannot help. Cannot help. You know. <laughs> I saw him on one of the live streams. He can drum already. That that guy. Yeah, he can. Yeah. And he's still getting the same face like compared to. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you get. You feel like you're telling him a joke, and he's just not enjoying the joke at all. Oh no, it's <laughs> just like his dad coming. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> And it's funny with your with your hat on, you look more like your son. Oh yeah, been a long time. Yeah, so it, wow, that's weird, man. Right, losing hair. That's why, Devin. I was like, oh, bro. Uh, you still good, man. You still good. Everybody recognizes. Nah, nah, nah. Hey, I'd I'd like if you don't mind um, to go back a little bit, because because a lot of people, a lot of people don't know like the history, like where you're, where do you, where were you born, where did you grow up, go to school, all of that kind of stuff. Well, no, I was born. I don't yeah, I was born at Kapiolani Hospital, 1966, early in the morning. So I, it's, it still plagues me. I wake up real early in the morning, <laughs> <laughs> and then I grew up. Um, uh, most of the time that I can remember, um, I grew up in in Makaha. That was, uh, you know, Makaha and Wainai. That was uh, the most of uh, my memories that I can remember growing up um, down there. Um, my dad's whole, our whole family is from, you know, Makaha and Wainai and Nanapuli. And, uh, yeah, I grew up down there. And then uh, in about, oh, I was just going into sixth, about seventh, about seventh grade. I was in sixth grade, Makaha. We were just going into the kind of, then my mom and dad kind of separated. Mm-hmm. And uh, um, we sold the house, I guess they sold the house in Wainai. And then we moved to town. And that's when I went to Kaimaki. I went to Washington Intermediate for a little while. And then I went into Kaimaki. And then uh, that's when um, it really kind of opened up for me, you know, because um, there are so many awesome guys in Kaimaki. Like Uncle Mo went to Kaimaki. Israel went to Kaimaki. Jake went to Kaimaki. Troy Fernandez went to Kaimaki. I mean, Ernie Cruz, all the Cruz brothers. And uh, they all went through this uh, Ohana Omele, which is Mr. Kaneda's class at Kamiki High School. Oh, man. And, um, oh, wow. You know, so, I mean, the, you know, Troy Dem is older than I am, you know, five years older than I am, but, you know, the remnants was still there. Right? Oh, Wayne Kaivi. Remember Wayne? You know Wayne yep. Kaivi? Yeah, um, I know Wayne. Mm-hmm. Wayne Kaivi, he, um, he won the brown bags to start him with Bobby Barassis and Chino Montero. Chino all went oh, to... Chino. We all went to kind of keep bro. So many talented dudes, man. With the wow, that's amazing, man. Yeah. So, you know, I mean, you know, they're they're, uh, the, you know, like I said, the remnants are still in the school. You know what I mean? And it's like, so I entered Brown Bags to start them, and I met the two Tongan brothers, Tiva and Timo, and <laughs> you know, I mean, it was Ohana Omele, Mr. Kanera, that really, you know, um really uh, kept this thing and you know he had all of those guys you know as students prior to him and then and then jake too after that you know so 
we all went through that, you know, and through Ohana Omele. So, yeah, Kaimiki was a real big, uh, you know. Who, did, who knew that song. there was a dude there that just, like, was responsible for the Hawaii Renaissance That's music? Crazy, in the, man. Yeah. I, I that, never. That same instructor was still around when Jake was going to school there? I, I believe so, you know. I, I got to ask. I think Mr. Kaneda was still there. Wow. How old is Jake? How old is Jake now? He's 44. Okay, so I'm I'm 53. So that was about what nine years, nine years. Yeah, yeah. yeah he could have so still been there. I yeah. think Mr. Panetta might have still been there. You know, what was it? What was it about yeah. him that got you? Uh, did he see something in you, or did you go see him and go, "Hey, you know mm -hmm. what? You help these guys and these guys." So I like no, no, no. He just gave you a platform, you know, to um, to uh, cultivate, I guess. Uh, or get um, build your um, your gift, you know, kind of like um, he would. What we, what we would do is um, he would teach us songs, you know, and he would tell us, okay, learn these songs, and you know, and then we would perform at different intermediate schools. We go to Jarrett up in Palolo a lot, and I remember that's the first time, like, you know, he teach you mic technique, how far you should talk, uh, you know, sing into the mic and stuff. Mm -hmm. He was an when when awesome, just you know. He had plenty of knowledge. He was also um, best friends with Mr. Hotoki, who was a Kailua Magical. Right. Yep. And my wife was a Kailua Magical, so she remembers Mr. Kaneda too. Oh, wow. Like, when we got together, it, you know, we were talking, and she was like, wow, you was in Kailua. And I was always a bad boy. I was always getting into trouble, and music was kind of my saving grace, you know? Oh. And I remember Mr. Kaneda taking me to Kailua one time, and um, they was going to put me on one tour with the Kailua Magicals. And, uh, but basically my, 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 my schooling wasn't, you know, I wasn't one good student. So they kind of went cut my line on that. But <laughs> what, is the, what is the Kailua Magicals? Was it a band? Or no, Kailua it Magicals. A performing group. Like yeah, a it was a performing arts group. They played at Halikulani every, my wife is over here. Every what, honey? Every Sunday evenings they would play, but they went all over the world. You guys went yeah, to Kailua? Yeah. The Magicals were famous, man. When yeah. I was in Kailo High School, they were they were. Oh, big you in Kailo High School? Yeah, yeah. I'm in Kailo High School. Yeah, so you, me and your wife. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But um, yeah, the Magicals was a huge deal in in Kailo High School. Surf Rider, sorry. Any type of contemporary music? What, what, what they did core stuff. They did Hawaiian stuff. They did oh, everything. Yeah, everything, bro. Yeah. yeah, and they had hula dancers, and I mean, they would do like a show. It was crazy. Yeah. Yeah, people would call them up and say, "Hey, we want the Magicals to come." And they actually had a sort of a, an, an, they had a name. So when you said, "Oh, the Kailua Magicals are coming," people go, "Wow, it's interesting." Yeah, it was, it was a huge thing, yeah. and it was a cast. And Mr. Hotoki would take all of these kids, man, Japan, China, all over the world, India. My my brother-in-law plays for Tropical Nights. Um, Danny Naipo, um, my wife's brother. Um, they. Oh. He was with Clyde Kaimana. Kaimana was my kunga player back in the day, the old mm -hmm. Um Clayton Apilando, them. Um, a whole bunch of, um, they had a bunch of musicians. Kalani Kupau, um, Kevin Kealoha, Della Delapino, um, Free and Easy. There was another, anyway, there was a whole bunch of, <laughs> those during our times, you know, back in the day. It was uh, unreal musicians, you know, unreal. Kunio Galdera is one guy that I grew up with in Waikiki. He was Gabby Pahinui's grandson. I never seen one guy playing ukulele like that when I was a kid, and that's what really got me, mm. got me hooked. And I mean, this guy was singing, and I mean, he could sing and play, you know. And he was doing like, um, he was doing like Men at Work, The Land Down oh. Under. Right? This was uh -huh. in the 80s, you know what I mean? And um, he was doing like um, Eric Clapton on a ukulele, bro, just and singing on that, bro. <laughs> he was intense, you know what I mean. And then anyway, these guys all came out of Kailua, and uh, real talented. Anyway, so those two worlds kind of kind of met, you know, at that point. But Mr. Kanata had plenty of connection. He was on a one one band, you know, major. Uh, that's what his was his degree. He was, I don't know, he went to school for music. and But I would run into him at gigs, you know, and him playing with his little quartet, you know, and stuff. So, <laughs> did, you, cool. did you ever catch up with him after uh, Kapena made, made it real big? And 
Oh, all the time. Yeah, I would run into him with with gigs, oh, nice. and he would come up to me, and he would just shake his head and hug me. And, <laughs> no, I, you know, because there was a lot of times I was in an office, you know. Yeah. <laughs> and I was, yeah, I got kicked out of Kamiki High School. I went to these alternative learning centers. I went to um, DH, you know, and all these kind. And Mr. Kaneda, you know, was really one, one, uh, one open arms for me to kind of, you know run to and, and music is is really what um you know kind of was my life preserver and brought well, me how do you okay wait because it's, it's confusing for me because when i met you you know when i worked at uh, fm 100 and stuff mm -hmm. when i met you you guys were all coming up you were always the most positive nicest you know, <laughs> i know everybody like, no. Kelly boy is so sweet. He's like, oh yeah, I got in trouble so much. I'm thinking, <laughs> you, you have time to get in trouble, and yeah. do, you know what I mean? Like, how does that? I was a double agent, bro, Devin. <laughs> 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 nah, just the guys that I I grew up with, bro. I was just, you know what I mean? Uh, constantly having to prove yourself, and you know what I mean. Well, you also grew up a wall rat, right? right? <laughs> Sorry, Kyle. <laughs> you grew up a wall rat at Waikiki too. Yes. So you touch yes. school a lot and just go surf there a lot and stuff. I was in trouble. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so it was more just not going to school then. Like I get yeah. better things for doing go school. I had an I had a generous but a very very uh, mean father. You know, um, mm. one time um, he bought me when uh, up in Kami, at the end of Kamiki Ave, uh, Kapulu Ave was a Downing Surf Shop right on Kamiki Ave, right off of on Second Ave. George Downing owned his uh, his. His surfboard uh, he's shop. Still there. Oh, he's still there. Oh, he's oh. still there. Yeah. Down oh, for real. So, yeah. anyway, um, I bought one single fin swallowtail. My dad bought that for me. I've, it was hundreds of dollars um, back then. And, you know, it was a beautiful board and brand new. And I uh, came home with the board. I was super stoked. So, the next day, I took the surfboard and I went. <laughs> I went, um, and we lived in a building in Waikiki on Trio Tree, Lilio Kalani Ave, and uh, I went surfing. Well, I forgot that I had school that day, so I, I never I went forgot. to school. I, <laughs> I forgot. <laughs> <laughs> I like how you threw that one in. I thought it was a holiday. I was sure it was a holiday. But uh, so I never went to school. I thought it was Saturday, and I just... <laughs> <laughs> I surfed all the way till about three o'clock. I came home. I had my my change of clothes down in my storage shed downstairs in the building, and dried myself up. I came up, and my dad was sitting on a bed, and he oh, no. looked at me and he said, "Hey, brother, how was school?" He tell me like that, and I goes, "Oh, good, dad. It was good. Oh yeah, what you would learn at school?" <laughs> I tell him, um, "Matt, you know English. You know, I get six periods." <laughs> oh, 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 yeah. I just wondering because you know the school didn't call me this morning. Oh. You know you wasn't in school, and I checked with your second period teacher, not in that class, and all of it. And he goes, he goes, he told me he looked at me and he goes, "Where a surfboard?" He told me like that. Oh. I thought, oh, dad, down in a storage. He said, "Go downstairs in a storage. Go grab the surfboard." And I said, "Okay, I'll go bring him up. Maybe he gonna ground me from a surfboard. He gonna leave him in his room or whatever's, and you know, I go get a couple cracks, and that's it. No." I bring the surfboard up. He tell me, go in the closet, grab the saw. Oh. Take the surfboard out on the balcony and saw him in half. Oh, <laughs> oh man. Oh, I'll sawing that surfboard <laughs> in half. <laughs> and you know, fiberglass, one saw, and in buildings in Waikiki, the, bro, all the neighbors is coming out on their balcony. <laughs> oh, no. Mother, what the, bro? I'm over there crying. <laughs> <laughs> Bro, my dad was hardcore. You know, my dad, he always, he bought me my first ukulele. He buy me the kind. And all he wanted to do was give me incentives in, you know, in life to, to really, um, you know, he would give me incentives like this to, to pull me out, you know, of my, you know what I mean? My slumps, I guess, you know, some kids have in their lives. And, oh, bro, I was on hardcore one, you know, but ukulele, you know, that, you know, he really... He looked at, because my dad played slack key and my dad could play slack key in every key. And he would just, I would wake up in the morning before he would go to work and, and I would hear him and I would go to, before I would go to school and I hear him playing and every morning, that was his passion, you know, his love. And when he saw me kind of, you know, even 
just a little bit interested in it, you know, he supported it, you know, all, all the time. But he was on, he was a mean Hawaiian Portuguese man, bro. I tell you. <laughs> I, I heard that when you used to surf a lot, you were actually you, you entered contests and stuff too at that yeah, point. Yeah, I actually you were a really good surfer back in the day to a point where you had the potential of even going pro maybe in the future. Right. And I was so, yeah. music. I was on my way to turn pro. Yeah, um, I was. Wow. You know, I surfed with all of the, the top. I mean, I have pictures of me and Brock Little, Larry Rios, um, you know, um, Ozzy McGuire, um, uh, Noah Budrow, Todd Chesser. Yeah. Um, we're in one meet, and Todd Chesser died at Maverick. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. You know, he and I was like best friends too growing up. Um, Jeannie Chesser, she gives a surf report. Mm -hmm. And uh, anyway, we was tight, me and Todd too, and 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 you know, um, Brock Little just passed a couple of years ago from cancer, and so, but bro, these guys would surf monster, you know what I mean? So yeah, I was I was totally into the surfing, uh, and we would we would enter China's longboard meet, and uh, you know, these guys was good though. The guys that I competed, I mean, they were you, you could see that they had it in their their DNA that they was gonna be great surfers. I thought I would have, but then China would ask me, China uh, longboard me. He would ask, "Hey Kelly boy, you can bring your ukulele and come with your friends mm. and then go we'll jam in between the you know the heats and stuff." And I goes, "Oh okay," and I f I figured real I, I found out real quick that I made people a little bit more happier playing the music. <laughs> uh, <laughs> you know, <laughs> it was you know I kind of you know music kind of made me look into the future like wow, you know, um, I think. No, the surfing is not going to be really the vehicle. Yeah. <laughs> oh, we're, all, we're actually kind of thankful for that. Uh, yeah, no, all right. All the, imagine? All the classics that came out of those days. But when did you feel like, um, okay, so, so you meet the brothers, right? And you guys start doing gigs. And you, when did you feel like, oh, this is really kind of gaining some momentum or having some potential? Like, um, was it with the release of the first album or, or, uh, what, what did you kind of know? Like, oh, wow, this is really catching. Um, I think I knew it from, from right, you know, the brown bags to stardom. It was K-I-K-I brown bags to stardom. And we went for Kamiki High School, represented Kamiki at, to the Waikiki Shell. And uh, um, I remember um, the, the program airing maybe about a week after we performed at the Waikiki Shell. And they were going to show it, I think, on a s Saturday night or whatever. It was like, join us. You know, it was a huge thing. It was like the American Idol, you know, or, or sure. the Void, you know? Because there was no um, such thing as American Idol back then. Exactly. It was huge, you know, and the Waikiki show was packed with every single, sold out, you know, with every single high school represented and all of the kids. And it was just crazy. And, uh, so it was televised. It was filmed. It wasn't filmed live. They they pre-recorded it and then they rebroadcasted it on right. um, on TV one week. And and you know you had Kamasami Kong, then Ron Wiley. You had um, oh shucks, um, um, Crash Kit. No, not Crash. Willie Moku. All those different. All those different. You know, yeah. radio personalities back in those days. So, um, we. Um, had one gig I remember that night for some reason we got hired somebody <laughs> saw us and wanted us to play for a birthday party but bro, at that time we only could do about maybe 15 minutes <laughs> <laughs> so that was like three songs you know three four songs and uh, so me and the two brothers we went to this party and you know and uh, um, we did it at it was at the, at the old St. Louis Alumni right across the stadium park, mm. the old stadium park on um, King Street. Yeah, and anyway, <clears throat> we uh, we we did this. So my dad, I, I know how old it and how far back it was because he recorded it on a Betamax. <laughs> wow! Oh, wow! You can't even imagine, digitize you know, those. Yeah, I know. I wow, I don't know where that stuff went. And anyway. <laughs> Um, before, you know, he, I came home and he told me, um, he said, Hey brother, hey. I said, I wanted to see him. I wanted to see the replay. And, uh, you know, um, he was like, you know, and my dad was, 
my dad, if you saw Palani Van, what Palani Van looked like, he looked like Palani Van. He had, you know, he was on Hawaiian. Jumping. You got the you big know, sideburns. Looked, you know, I only get my looks because my mom is from Canada, you know. But uh, <laughs> my dad was his Hawaiian guy, and he would love to go into the audience and, you know, when we were just coming out, you know, and watch people's reactions. Because a lot of times when I would get up and I would start singing falsetto or something, people would be like, what the hell? Who's this yeah. howling? You know, like, <laughs> yeah. so even before I started, it'd be like, and my dad would crack up. He said, that would be the, the, that would be the highlight of his kind because then when I open up my mouth, they goes, wow, this howling can sing, you know? <laughs> and so my dad would love that. And, but he knew that, you know, I mean, I grew up with all these Kanaka cousins in Waianae. I was the only one. If you look at our family picture, bro, I'm the only Haoliyas. It's like they would adopt me or something, you know. Like, <laughs> but then when you look at my mom, then you say, oh, okay, okay, now I see, you know. But, um, you know, um, so growing up in Waianae, oh, bro, I used to get chased and beat up, you know. Kind of, wow. Either I'm fighting or I'm running. Most of the time I was running, you know, but... <laughs> But, you know, my dad knew how much I hated, oh, man, the word haole was like fighting words to me, bro. You know, the kind of, I would eat a scrap or, be, you know, anyway, you know, it was, it was when Ron Wiley introduced, so he played the video, he, before he played the video, he said, boy, he tried, he was going to try to explain to me about what he said. And then he goes, you know what, I'm just going to let you watch, watch this. And I, so I watched the video. And Ron Wiley introduced me as, um, and from Kaimaki High School, featuring this redhead Howley that's going to knock your socks off. Oh. That's how he introduced us. Wow. <laughs> no. I mean, it was, you know, at that time, oh, bro, I was, bro, I put my head down and I started crying and I told my dad, I'm going to beat this guy up. Bro. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to hit him with something. I'm going to hurt him. You know what I mean? I was so pissed. And, you know, my dad stopped the thing and he said, you know what? I'll let you know something. He said, I want you to know that, you know, it's not one, you know, it's not one, you know, it's not a bad thing. I said, he said, son, you and Howley kid, you know, one Howley looking kid. I know you Hawaiian, you my son, you know, but he said, you and Howley looking kid that is singing Hawaiian. He says, it's a very unique thing. It's something that, you know, you know, see too many people doing especially during those times you're going to see on hawaiian singing hawaiian music you know but when holy guy getting up there that was a rarity bro 30 that's <laughs> 40, true. That's and, a, and the falsetto and the falsetto too because there's not yeah, a lot of guys you know, to do falsetto yeah. there wasn't there wasn't too many you know yeah. what i mean you was, know. i think it was you and frank shaner right right <laughs> that was it. you know right so you know my father said you he said i'm gonna tell you this right now in years to come um they're going to always remember, hey, you remember that holy that was singing Hawaiian in Brown Bag Susado? That's him, you know. Or he said, they're not going to never say, hey, you remember that Hawaiian guy was singing Hawaiian falsetto? <laughs> Hawaiian guy, you know? <laughs> so he said, that's your, that's your kind of your, your trademark. And that's your, you know what I mean? He said, that was your, you know, he, he told me that. Bro, after that, my dad just telling me that, that was like my, my go-to, you know, I'll go to parties. Hey, that holy boy singing Hawaiian. Hey, how's it? <laughs> We had the same kind of thing when we came out. I remember playing a club when we were, we weren't even old enough to be in there yet. It wasn't even, I think we were like 16, 17 years old, you know, and had guys drinking and this big Hawaiian guy came up to us and goes, what, you guys going to play Japanese music? Yeah, yeah. It's like, uh, <laughs> no, we're going to oh. do some uh, local stuff. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know? yeah. And uh, yeah, so yeah, we got that a lot too. You know, these yep. like Asian yep. kids. Yeah, so people say, oh, Hawaii, we're one big melting pot. There's no prejudice. I mean, y'all lie. <laughs> y'all lie. There's no, no, it's all good. Praise the Lord, man. Hey, but you know what? Once you start playing it and people enjoy the music, then all of that goes out the oh, window. Yeah, oh, yeah, man. Local people recognize true talent. And once that's recognized, no matter yeah. what you are, you know, yeah. they're just going to love you for what you are, man. But I, that was, you know, that was my intro into, you know, I mean, there was a lot of things that I, obstacles that I had to, you know, um, you know, get, get true, you know, in life and stuff. But uh, it was all well worth it. You know what I mean? You know, it's, it's, it's just the way it is. You know what I mean? Um, you know? One of the other things we talked about the last time uh, we did this, uh, <laughs> but I want to bring up again, you know, what? Uh, 
Timo and uh, Viney with the group, is that why you guys played so much different stuff? Because you were one of the first bands that, that even touched um, Tongan music, Samoan music, right. all of that kind of stuff. So even reggae. Yeah, I mean, yeah. the reggae stuff. It was, it was a really good mishmash of stuff. So I was just curious where that came from. Yeah, it was just, you know, it was, it was stuff that we're tapping on that, um, you know, um, was our influences as kids. You know, um, like I said, you know, back when I was a kid, oh, Bob Marley, and still yet for the kids now, you know, Bob Marley is like timeless, yeah, to people. Mm-hmm. It has uh, endured generations, you know, that stuff. And uh, us, no different, you know, Bob Marley back in those days. And then uh, Tiva and Timo with their Polynesian influence, you know what I mean? And uh, wanting to do, you know, um, uh, Tongan songs and then us kind of changing the beat and doing, playing that Kapena beat, you know, yeah. and, mm-hmm. you know, and putting it to it was just uh, something that was, um, you know, was really well, um, well received, I should say, you know, by Islanders that we had no idea that was, you know what I mean? We was just doing what was natural to us. It wasn't something that we, we, we would sit back and we'd structure out and we said, well, we're going to do this and we're going to do that. We just played whatever, you know, felt good uh, to us. And thankfully it kind of caught on and, and uh, you know. Um, but like a, a song like Masese, is, does Masese in its original form sound even remotely like that? Or do you, did you guys um, take it and go, okay, we're going to speed them up. We're going to do this. We got to add this thing. I mean. Back in, back in those days, you know, we never had the internet and stuff like that. So um, Tivarem would get a lot of songs from New Zealand sent to them from their aunties because a lot of Tongans living in New Zealand and stuff. So they would send these cassettes, you know, old cassettes. And they, if you go down to Fiji, we went to Fiji many times and Tonga and New Zealand and all these little places, they get these little record tape stores. It almost looks like um, jellies. You know, when you go into jellies, these old stores just filled with, racks and racks anyway it never had only had albums and cassettes back in oh and they probably had some eight tracks over there too you know but um they would just pick all these different you know cds and they would send them to you know send them to tvm and it was oh bro listen to this song and bro listen to this one and he goes bro you know i heard this song um from fiji this uh, very popular guy saki sabuli toko toko um he wrote on sese and and uh bro so funny, we recorded Masese and then we met Saki in LA, staying at one, one Tongan family's house, which was Eva's cousin's cousin. And anyway, <laughs> we told Saki, come back to Hawaii with us. And Saki lived with Tivaini them. And he did a lot of our uh, drumming and he did a, a lot of our, uh, he gave us a lot of, a lot of material back in those days. Oh. I think I remember that guy. Was he a kind of older guy that yeah. used to play the Congolans and all that stuff with you guys? He looked, he looked like one Popolo man, but he was yeah. Fijian. Oh, okay. Yeah. I remember oh, him okay. playing your gigs. And he wrote Masese and he, he wrote um, um, Leah, you know the one that um, Isale. Oh. Wow. Yeah. That's a nice song. So that's Fiji's uncle too, yeah? He's wow. Uh, oh, wow. Georgie's um, uncle too. So phenomenal drummer. Phenomenal um, uh, guitar player. He could he could play bass, you know, and stuff. But his guitar playing, um, uh, his protege is, um, you know, BB Sean, Sean Ishimoto. Oh uh, yeah, yeah, okay. Oh, how, how Sean plays and you know, yeah, like yeah. His little. He so finally Sean started was, posting on Facebook now again after I don't yeah, know how yeah, many yeah. years. So it's been awesome. Yeah, we did one live the other night, and he was on, and I was like, yeah. no. Sean is uh, on. <laughs> finally, I finally put the camera on himself for the longest yeah, time. Yeah, yeah. You just see the wall and I'm like, Sean, what are you doing? <laughs> <laughs> oh. so, so Dev, um, why don't we ask yeah. uh, Kelly our, our uh, three album because we never got to do that last yeah. time. Oh, yeah. that's right. That's right. Yeah, because we, we went so far afield and then we realized we weren't recording. Um, <laughs> good news is we went to Doja. So yeah. uh, just out of curiosity, your three um, Desert Island Discs. Uh, or, you know, your three albums that you cannot live without. Uh, and the caveat we give is it cannot be greatest hits albums. No, oh, bro, gotta be the Huyo Hana. Any of them. Um, um, 
I think one of the Huyo Hana albums that I listened to the most was Hawaii to Tahiti. Oh, okay. Yeah, that was a Huyo Hana. And then, um, bro, when I was a kid, I, growing up, I really liked the police. Mm. Oh, okay. Synchronicity okay. and all that kind. I like them. And I think my third, gotta be the Makaha Sons back in with, you know, Israel and Skippy. Mm. I think it was No Crystal or something. Was one of the um, they did the song Ai Kamawi, and uh, yeah, that it's gotta be. Yeah, you know what's funny when I when I started, I, I'm a, I was a late introductee into Hawaiian music. My parents didn't mm -hmm. listen to a lot of music to be honest, so I kind of found out things on my own, you know. But I remember getting a the Huyo Hana CD, the one that's uh, it's a drawing. There, there's a it's an right. artist rendering of them on the right. front. Green one. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, kind of green one. And then I remember yeah. playing that, and I thought, "Oh, this is good Hawaiian music. Like, I should listen to more of this because this is this is good." And then, so I thought all Hawaiian bands would sound like them. Like, right. oh yeah, I just find another few few bands that sound like this. And I was <laughs> was like, "No, nobody sounds like Dennis Pavalu, you idiot." <laughs> <laughs> That's it's freaking unique, that guy. Oh, <laughs> you know? bro, his voice—they call him the Golden Throat of Hawaii, bro. And with Ledward, and then Ledward playing bass. Yeah, yeah. Um, just boom, 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 boom. Um, they they play this song, uh, uh, dum, 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 Nana Cooley, on one of their albums. And oh, bro, just I heard that Ledward, when they were younger, was a better guitar player than Ledward. Wow. They were when they were younger, and I think Ledward is older than Ledward, but. Then they never had on bass player, so Nedward had to go on bass. Uh, uh, Nedward played guitar, but that's what I heard. But bro, that guy, what he did with the bass, and Nedward passed already, uh, but and Dennis, you know. Yeah. But bro, just those guys, bro. I mean, I just heard their um we're oh, we're up in the big island doing that photo shoot and Joe Souza, the owner of the kind he was um of Kanilea, he was playing uh Huyohana albums, bro. And I was listening and I was like, bro, timeless. I mean Guys, not even doing that nowadays. You know what I mean? Yeah, Playing yeah, yeah, music, yeah. those kind of bass lines and just the kind. And the lead, man. The lead was so uh, nice accompaniment. And you know, Ledward, he he's not even doing rhythm. He's just playing lead through the whole song. But it's so tasty, <laughs> right? So and then Dennis would play. He was left-handed at Dennis. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. Like, the way he would, but he would play the guitar upside down. And the way he 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 had him strum, jing 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 jing, like he was strumming and. Playing like that, bro. It was uh, most. I think he he played. Might have been six, but I I thought sometimes it would be twelve. You know, just to fill up. You know. But yeah. I think he yeah, played that, that. It, it upside down. That's amazing. Bro, I got videos. I got videos over here of me and Dennis when I was like seventeen years old, bro. Oh wow! Yeah, you gotta all on, watch that. All on it's unreal. I gotta, gotta go. I gotta that, go. You gotta digitize that. Yeah, you gotta put that on. Yeah, on it is. Got them on CDs. Um, DVDs rather, but I gotta go. I gotta go post some on top Facebook and stuff. That'd be awesome. Yeah, that'd be great, man. The other yeah, thing man. Dennis was was he was the quickest capo in the West. <laughs> the guy would be like, you know, singing his thing, being A, and then bam, up to C, boom, yeah. like that. Yeah. Just oh, with the really? capo, you just grab the capo and just move him up. You know, like two, two, and then in C now he's playing. <laughs> Brad, that guy, you know, I did, I did the eulogy. His wife Lay asked me to do the eulogy at his at his funeral in Maui and um, you know what bro it was such a the a greatest honor that she asked me bro I was his biggest fan you know mm. and going back to one of the questions that you asked me earlier he was the he was the reason why um, we did what we did you know Devin like um, mm. all the different um, styles of music is because um, me Tiva and Timo this is the God's truth we wanted to be the Huyohana when we was kids you know mm. and uh, he was he was very close he was like one brother to my to my dad's younger brother, my uncle Louis, <clears throat> and um, he was always at my uncle Louis' house, always, always, and that's where we got all of this footage, you know. Mm. And um, it was Uncle Louis that asked Dennis to to talk to me one night, and he told me, "Hey, uh, brother," he would call him brother D, brother D, you gotta talk to my nephew. He said he like be the next Dennis Paval, but you know what? Between you and I, I'll only get one Dennis Paval, you know. Yeah. And uh, there's only one Hui Ohana, you know. And you gotta talk to these guys. And and Dennis, you know, kind of sat me down, and he told me, you know, Kelly boy, you get one gift, you know, that you can sing, 
any kind of style, you know. And and I looked at him. He goes, but you know, you you know, I know you guys, you know, love the Huyohana, and you know, basically he told he just went set me straight and told me already get on Huyohana, bro. You guys, you know, and bro, I remember leaving that place and really down, you know, and and you know, it's with a tear in my eye, bro, thinking, wow, you know. And uh, but that was the best thing that he did for me, you know. That's when we started recording and recording all the Polynesian music, and you know, doing all of you know, just doing our own Capena thing and and creating our own style. Wow. And that that really um that right there, it was like the um uh you know I felt kind of you know like like um thrown under the bus from by my hero. <laughs> you know, and, but that was like one driving force for me to create my own sound. And he said, you got to go outside there. And, and he's the one that told me, he said, you got to go out there and create your own. Capena is Capena. When people hear Capena, you like them, you know what I mean? You like them know that, you know, that, you know, people going to know that sound. You know what I mean? The Huyohana is already the Huyohana. So, you know, because of that, um, I don't know how the words that I'm trying to find, but because of that, you know, it kind of, you know, pushed me into uh, creating our own, you know, sound. Well, good job. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Thank you. Definitely. A company sounds like you, man. Everybody, people can try, but they are, yeah. I've, I've heard other bands play the music that you play, and nothing compares. It's just, there's something about the way you start playing your ukulele when you start, you know, just one look or whatever, and you go, yeah. Yeah, there's Kelly boy. Okay, <laughs> friend is on here somewhere. I don't know where they are, but they're on there somewhere. And you just, oh, it's 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 uncanny, man. It's it's yeah. So with that, we will take a short break, and we're going to Ooh. come back with our Patreon section. Ooh. So those of you who are Patreon subscribers, uh, I'd like to talk to Kelly boy about name Capena, where that came from, and uh, what significance that has. But we'll do that in just a second. So we'll sign up for now. Have a good one, guys. See you.